I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. you know we've chatted a lot about the evils of puppy farming and that's why we're jumping on zoom now to talk to the esteemed journalist mark edmonds who's going to tell us about his experience of standing face to face with a puppy farming gang in ireland Mark Edmonds, welcome so much to A Dog's Life. I'm so chuffed that you've decided to join us to talk about, you know, why you've written about puppy farming. Well, it's a subject that has interested me for quite a while, um, partly because I was aware of the campaign surrounding Lucy's Law, which was um, uh, a very good campaign to um, basically forbid the third party sales of, uh, of dogs. Now, the, the result, this, this came into legislation a couple of years ago during the lockdown, in fact, and uh, I was already aware that puppy farming was a, was a big issue. And it strikes me as, um, I suppose, given that we are a, na- a nation of animal lovers, I was all surprised that puppy farming in its sort of brutal, and agonizing kind of way was able to continue unscathed for so long without the, the authorities taking any any uh, action and that's what basically happened with lucy's law but it hasn't completely uh, cleaned up the, the the business and still there are quite a lot of very dodgy operators yes that's one way of putting it mark yeah. dodgy because it, it's interesting you've written um about sir paul mccartney the beckhams um i think you've even been to war zones am i right mark that's correct yeah yeah so when you journeyed over to ireland to investigate some quite ruthless arguably can we say the word gangsters running puppy farms or as they call them in Ireland they call them dog breeding establishments that's the official that's the sort of euphemistic title now in a way that tells some tells me something that the the Irish authorities are basically complicit in this um, this appalling trade they are well aware that it runs into some millions and therefore they you know the, the profits to be had are much greater than say you know the running drugs van loads of puppies can look uh, net 20 or thirty thousand if they're smuggled into in, into into the uk drugs you'd probably get about the same amount of money but there's much greater risk because the penalties for cocaine and heroin smuggling are, are, are much greater whereas puppy farming you know you, you might get a, a a bit of a ticking off and the dogs might be confiscated but you're not actually risking your your liberties to the extent that you would if you were uh, running drugs 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, you need to have the facilities, uh, I suppose you can call them that, to actually breed the dogs and keep the dogs. So, I mean, you know, puppy farming isn't new. And the fact that we're talking about it a lot, I think, is because of the pandemic, you know, in a way, every cloud has a silver lining to be really bringing this to the fore again. But it's been going on really since the back end of the foot and mouth crisis, right? In about the, when was that, 97-ish? Yeah, well, certainly it was in um, in the 90s. It became very big in Wales because FEFRA, or what the equivalent was the Ministry of Agriculture, was actually encouraging farmers to diversify. The land prices were going down. As you say, the foot-to-mouth um, uh, crisis hit, had hit their, their you know, more traditional ways of making a living. And the government in the shape of uh, the min of ag did actually suggest that people diversified into puppies and of course they did that without any experience of breeding dogs and generally regarding dogs as just another farm animal and they're not that they're domestic pets and they need to be treated in a in a loving and and kind way Absolutely. But do you think that, you know, domestic animals versus livestock is why in Ireland there seems really to be, you know, it's called the puppy farming capital of the world now because of the nature of Irish law, which you could argue there is an abdication of statutory responsibility where animal welfare is concerned. I think that's a, a fair point. And more specifically, the system is basically corrupt from top to bottom. Local authorities are charged with uh, enforcing the law, making the inspections, issuing the licences. And it's just very much a case of you scratch my back and I'll, I'll scratch mine. And the, the enforcement and the licensing system is extremely lax. Money changes hands between councils, um, between farmers and counts and councillors. And the whole thing is just, it just really stinks. And what, what's emerged is basically there's a criminal class of dog breeder, some of whom have licenses. And they actually, uh, you know, they might be licensed for say 100 dogs. But in fact, they're producing a thousand a year. And this is this is what's happened there because also partly because Ireland is such a rural and remote country. It's difficult for the authorities, even if they had the um, best will in the world, to keep tabs on what's going on in these remote farms. And the the Irish equivalent of the RSPCA, they've done their best, but it's still very, very difficult because ultimately, it's big money and the, the government doesn't really want to do much about it. They have a free market approach to it because obviously it's very wealthy and a lot of people are making a lot of money. And some of the uh, farms I saw were actually quite shocking. I bet they were. Well, in your piece, um, the, the latest piece in the mail, you know, I, I wanted to ask, you know, weren't you a bit terrified when you were confronted and really intimidated by not a very nice person, you know, for trespassing on his land? Didn't, didn't the photographer receive some injunction or something by the police? The photographer did receive um, a, a phone call from the guard. Um, the... The press in Ireland is, 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 is 
they're very strict in terms of what you can and can't say. And we were risking what's known as a class action, whereby the whole of the, uh, you know, the Irish Dog Breeders Association could conceivably have uh, taken us to the courts and we'd have had a very expensive libel case on our hands. But we managed to avoid that by not naming the individuals concerned. But the, yeah, the, the, the level of violence, um, I'm sure if I'd have been on my own, I would have been beaten up. But I think with two people, there's, you know, you've got a witness and it's much harder to control. Um, but we were actually boxed in by one uh, group of farmers, farmer, the son, the mother and the daughter, who was the kind of the brains of the operation. And they were really aggressive and they, they forbade us from actually, sort of, you know, leaving their, 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 their farm. But we were actually on a public road. So they had no, but what could we do? You can't bring the police would come out and help us out. So that's that, the level of, they are gangsters. You're, you're looking at particularly an area of Northern Ireland, of Ireland, which is close to the border, County Cavan, which is notorious for gun running, drug running, and arrangements with um, uh, terrorists in the North. And it's a kind of wild west. And that's why puppy farming in particular is thriving there and why so many puppies from Britain, sorry, from Ireland, end up in Britain from that particular enclave. Well, yeah, and that's causing so much heartbreak, isn't it, Mark? Yeah. You know, because these puppies arrive and there was um, a little Shih Tzu that became the kind of symbol, I think, of the operation that began in Ireland but ended in Milton Keynes. That's right, yeah, they were a bunch of, as, as is often the case, and it's very politically incorrect to say this, groups of travellers are often involved in, in the smuggling. Mm. Um, they are, they find it, they've got lots of connections in the, in, in the UK. They've got big networks. They tend to be below the radar. And it's a very convenient way of making quite a lot of money because they can stop off en route to different travellers' camps. And sometimes they rent flats, Airbnbs, and use them as a sort of, I suppose, a kind of showroom to sell puppies. Yeah. And presenting the adverts on uh, online sites as though they're just selling one puppy. And you go there and there is indeed just one puppy. But then, you know, that, that's, that puppy is then sold and surprise, surprise, the ad pops up a couple of hours later with another puppy. Yes, and that's kind of another aspect of all of this, isn't it? The internet and human culture that's now gotten so preconditioned to just buying everything in, on one click, whether it's a hoover or a puppy. And that isn't helping because people are buying off the internet and being duped. I mean, some of the stories that came out last year were heartbreaking. People who'd put a £500 deposit or something down on a puppy that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, that does go on, yeah. it's um, the In a way, that's the kind of least... So that doesn't involve animal cruelty. It just no, sure. The, uh, uh, exploitation of an individual. And I, you know, that, but the, the, the fundamental problem is that these puppies are being bred in really terrible conditions. Bitches often having sort of two litres a year, three litres a year, and just living lives that are in a pen and just being treated as breeding machines. It really is unacceptable. 
Well, it's so awful. And luckily, you know, there are some amazing rescues. Um, and I think you visited them, Wonky yeah. Dogs. There's Linda Goodman of Carriard Campaign, which... Yeah, she's a sterling woman who I, I know, actually. And, you know, you've got these saints almost that are taking on these ex-breeding bitches. And That particular rescue did actually deliver Boris, his dog. Which yes. He's <laughs> been quite a controversial figure and having, you know, peed on the leg of a special advisor and causing Dominic Cummings umpteen sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, angst generally. Oh, he and, probably deserved it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Dylan was was a. To be fair, that was one of Carrie's sort of smarter moves by getting a dog from a puppy farm or a rescue puppy uh, dog. She brought the thing into you know serious uh, public concern. You know, the public began to notice the issue, and it was a very important thing to have done. No, good for her on it. No, can't say, um, you know, can't speak highly enough, really. I mean, she loves animals and yeah. um, and that's fantastic. And yes, I think arguably that could have just tipped Lucy's law over the line to become legislation. I think probably that, was, that was that was the case. But to be fair, the, I, I'm no fan of this government, but it, on animal welfare, I think they are quite strong. Well, you say that, Mark. Hang on, hang on. I mean, yes, they've they've come out with some amazing propositions, but as yet, none of them have happened. You know, this animal sentience bill, it is due apparently to be discussed in the House of Lords in June, right? Which is good. Um, But, you know, no more than that at this stage. And, of course, you've got pet theft, which, again, I mean, it's not directly related to puppy farming but in a way it is because it's a it's a scummy crime it's a crime that's low risk high gain a bit like puppy farming causes heartbreak dreadful outcomes for the dog mostly and human heartbreak nothing's been done on that even though you know Ian Duncan Smith took the reins of, of all of this and we we chatted to him um, a few a good few episodes ago and again lots of promise you know a lot of hot air but uh, no action well that's true but I think that's true of all sorts of legislation under the, you know under this government the um you know, leasehold reform, for instance, has been kicked into touch, partly because the pandemic has been so all-embracing that parliamentary time is is a is an issue. And I'm not defending the gut. But I think, in many ways, Brexit, strangely, has presented us with an opportunity to, uh, I suppose, bring in legislation that is uh, superior to that of the European community in terms of animal welfare generally. And I do think that's one of the few sort of byproducts that are positive of the, of the whole uh, episode. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, particularly also in terms of bringing dogs into the UK, because going back to the whole puppy farming issue, it's interesting that most of the the dogs now are coming in from Northern Ireland, which of course is still part of the UK, so yeah. doesn't fall within the passport scheme rules, which have been really tightened up. I'm pretty sure in thinking now, per vehicle, when vehicles are inspected, you cannot have more than four dogs in a vehicle i thought it was six but i'll defer to your 
It might be six. Okay, Mark. Well, one of us is right. But either way, you know, they've they've really thought about that. And six dogs, they're, you know, unlikely to be, well, it's not going to be a van full of sickly puppies that were coming in from Eastern Europe. Um, Okay, so that's great. But of course, Northern Ireland, or it's making a difference, Northern Ireland is still subject to van loads of puppies coming in. Are they really doing the strict searches across the border? You know, everyone's understaffed, I guess with the pandemic people would be off sick and and so on okay but you know i think lorry loads of dogs are still getting through i think that's true and it's certainly happening at, at uh, the rescue centers in dover that are picking up um the dogs trust have various facilities in kent and they're picking up lots of dogs from romania and uh and the czech republic and and so on because obviously it is a you know it's an extremely uh lucrative uh operation and it's driven though by people's stupidity and their desire to get a dog at whatever cost yeah yeah i know but something that just ceases to amaze me and i guess we touched on it just now you know is this corruption or this abdication of any responsibility in ireland when you know there was the um, bbc panorama program Sam Polling did it in 2006 and that was done where you were down in Cavern this uh this place and you know they got the footage and even I think they spoke to or named the the guy involved that particular farmer is notorious yeah but he's still doing it I mean how is he still licensed because he's uh I it, I've I've seen his property and it's like a it's like a fortress, extraordinary. It's you you know you cannot see any dogs. You can't even hear any dogs. It's as though it's a a, a, a processing plant for puppies in the middle of middle of nowhere. And you know people, what they're going to inspect it every week? I don't think so. He's paying a lot of money in terms of taxes and, uh, you know, the Irish revenue services are probably very grateful because he is licensed. But there have been occasions when he's been found with with um, a greater number of dogs than he, he's licensed for. And action has occasionally been taken. But in the end, breeders like that are just too big for the authorities to, to care about. You're looking at a turnover running into millions a year. And they're, yeah. they're no fools. <laughs> no, no. Well, yes, that's uh, the the aspect. But, you know, it does seem in Ireland, I know there's, I, on Twitter, I follow this lovely sanctuary called the Hilltop Sanctuary, and it's called My Lovely Horse. And some of the cruelty that the strong woman, Katrina Lowry, who runs it, um, reveals, it's just dreadful of horses stuck in the mud that are starved to death, dogs, you know, tied up in barbed wire and thrown into bushes just to die kind of really dark yeah it never ceases to amaze me as to what all of this really says mark about the human condition yeah well i i i don't know either and that neve you're aware that a colleague of mine from the irish daily mail neve Borsh, she helped me with with um the puppy farming we story we did with them and her dog a very sweet little cavalier king charles was just dumped in a dustbin and found by the side of the road because she had some um, congenital sort of deformities. Her paws were slightly wonky. And just let, you know, the, the dog was not, the, the breeder did not have the courtesy even to put the dog down humanely and was just like, you know, left by the side of the road to die. 
Oh. That dog after ten thousand pounds worth of surgery, thanks to very generous vets, is now fine and lives a lives a very happy and fulfilled life. Yes, and and that's a you know a happy aspect of of all of this. But you know, I mean, government again, they've been promising you know to ban puppy imports and to make the age of dogs six months or more to come into the UK, so as to ensure that they're no longer puppies, you know, because they'll have their adult teeth by six months. That's so, right. That, that does does of course mean that the the, the commercially the. Um, the dogs are actually less less appealing because um, you know people like a cute puppy under six. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you know, someone like you know Chappie down in Cavan County um, in Ireland won't be wanting to keep a puppy till they're six months. It will cost far too much. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Do you think any of these things? You know, people critics of all of this will say they're all going to they're always going to be one step ahead they'll be sending over pregnant bitches of course you're right you know there's, there's unlimited ways in which the law can be circumvented by people who are determined to do so but what's happened in wales is quite interesting lucy's law has had a major effect on the on the welsh puppy trade i went to wales a couple of years ago for the times and i was shocked at just how open it all was you know the um now that has been brought to an end largely because it is impossible for, for these puppy farmers to sell their dogs through third parties. So that has been a, a, a major step forward. But the problem is that doesn't actually sort of solve the problem of, of animals coming in from abroad, i.e. Europe or, or, or Southern Ireland. Well, it hopefully will in terms of, you know, this limited number, six or four per vehicle. Yeah. I, I mean, sure, those could all be pregnant dogs, you know. Also, then, some of them are coming in without, without you know, they're coming in by the, you know, the lorry load. There's 20 or 30. Right. I thought that had all been really clamped down on with the new passport scheme, you know. Well, in because... theory, yeah, in theory, yeah, but they're still coming. You know, the monitoring is just, you just cannot uh, operate. Um, you cannot keep an eye on the borders to that extent. And they, sometimes they might even be, full. we know, they might even be brought in on boats, uh, you know, coming into the Kent coast in the same way as immigrants have been brought in. It's mm. a very similar um, uh, area of, 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 of the law. And I just think sort of there's, the authorities are doing their best, but in the end, puppy smugglers always will find a way if they've got a market to, to sell. If, 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 if nobody wanted to spend hundreds of or thousands of pounds on puppies, the puppy smugglers wouldn't be, wouldn't be wanting to do it. And that's, the, that's where the education needs to be made, that people need to know that the pedigree dog, that they need to be, know exactly where the pedigree dog that they're buying has come from and what its provenance is. Yeah, absolutely. And also educating on really not buying a dog on the internet, you know, maybe initially, you know, making contact with a breeder who might have puppies, but to, you know, go and visit them well in advance and chat to them several times on the phone and and, and do it all in the old fashioned way. And indeed, look to the Kennel Club Assured Breeders Scheme, you know, which does sadly still only account for 5% mm -hmm. of all of the Kennel Club 
puppies registered in the UK. So it's a tiny fraction of all the dogs that say Ooh. they are kennel club registered. And maybe the kennel club could do more on that. I would say they probably could, to be fair, make all of the puppies, you know, uh, mandatorily. They're assured scheme, which means they're health tested and people go and visit the kennels every year. And 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 it and it is regulated, really, whereas the rest of it isn't. It's up to individual humans own discretion, which always worries me, Mark, when you yeah. get into that sphere of life. <laughs> Absolutely. But tell me about your dog, because I know you you have a doggy. Yeah, well, she's, she's actually uh, lying on, uh, in a, uh, one of her many beds uh, just by my desk. She, she, she's a Cavalier King Charles. Um, I've had her for about five, five years now, so uh, she's, she's six, and uh, she's had quite a long walk in the park, so she's having a, yet another rest. Oh, bless her. Is she... Her name's Roxy. Roxy. I like Roxy. It's very, um, it's very uh, Chicago, isn't it? Was it was my really? daughter's uh, uh, choice of name. Um, I, we, we, I wanted to call her Sasha, but um, I think Roxy has a ring to it. It does, definitely. It's very sassy, definitely. Is she a puppy-farmed uh, cavalier? No, or... no, no. She came from a very upmarket breeder in um, Essex, um, uh, a woman who was uh, head of the King Charles Cavalier Club, and so she'd had a so her real she's got a very extensive pedigree, and I wasn't really conscious that much at the time. Of, uh, you know, I wanted a dog for various reasons quite quickly, and um, so we we did we did go through the, all the various uh, um, proper breeders, and we found one that was you know absolutely excellent, and she was eight hundred and fifty pounds, which. In comparison with what you pay now, it's that's actually quite cheap. I know it's frightening, and and you know people have been paying something like three thousand for, yeah. um, you know, a cavapoo, you know, which is a designer yeah. crossbreed, you know, in the olden days you'd call them an accident, but um, probably most of people listening are going to hate me saying that. Um, uh, well, yeah, oh, my, my dog is just. Uh, She's adorable and um, particularly calm with children, babies, and generally is uh, a, you know, a great asset to any, and, and, and it would be a great asset to any family. And she gets a lot of attention when she's out. She's just so beautiful. What colour is she? She's a tricolour. Oh, that's my favourite. Oh, okay. No, I've, I've got a bull terrier that's a tricolour. I think it's the most stunning colour combination on any dog, I'll be honest. I love it. It's my favourite. She's actually got up, so she's, she's realised she's being talked about. So. Yes, yes, yes. Well, gosh, well, Ro uh, Roxy, we're going to need a photo of you, I think, with your right. dad to highlight this episode. <laughs> OK. Well, thank you, Mark, for sharing all of this. I really, it's great that, you know, you're a dog lover and that you're helping, you know, expose all of this and, and, and the criminality and the shame, really, that man's best friend is just being exploited for human ego and greed. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, anything anyone can do to uh, stop the trade, I, 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 would, I would support um, and certainly uh, small charities like Carriad and so on are doing an enormous amount of work in that area just to help publicise the subject. Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, Mark, let's maybe regroup in a few months and see if anything's changed. Yeah, sure. Hey, Mr Binks, that's our show. What did you think? Oh, I know, don't look so shaky. It's OK, you're never going to go to a puppy farm. Oh, but you are right. It is time for Woof of the Week. Ah. 
The moral of this podcast episode is simply this. Never buy a puppy online. (coughs) Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again to Mark Edmonds for joining us today. And all his links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, and find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm just on Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we are back in your feed next Sunday. And yes, you're right. Everyone should subscribe now. That way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Ball.